Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the third day of creation, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now on the third day, God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb-yielding seed, and fruit trees yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Now, the key here is the grass and the vegetables and the trees yielding seed after their kind. We've never been able to disprove this. Men have been planting grains of wheat for millenniums, And he has yet to plant a grain of wheat and have a corn stalk grow out of it. They are herb-yielding seeds after their kind. Each has its own little code within it that reproduces after its kind. Very fascinating indeed. Also, here we begin to see some of the inventive genius of God. Creating seeds to produce after their own kind. But it would be necessary for those seeds to propagate themselves into other areas. And so I am always fascinated with the various kinds of ways that God designed for the seeds to propagate themselves. There are some little seeds that grow in the pine cone. Now, if they would drop straight down under the pine tree, they would probably never survive very long because the mother pine would be taking too much of the nutrients from the soil. There wouldn't be room for it to grow. Uh, There wouldn't be enough light. And so the seed needs to get out away from the mother pine a bit. So what did God do? He designed a little wing on that seed. And when the pine cone dries, it begins to pop open and the little seed falls free. But with that wing, it begins to spin almost like a helicopter rotor and it spins on out far enough away from the pine tree so that when it lands, it can find a suitable place to grow up into a new pine. Marvelous accident. I wonder how long the pine tree could have existed before it decided I need to get my seeds out further and develop the little wing on the seed. There are other seeds that when the pod dries, they explode, they pop, and the seed shoots out. Exploding kind of a seed. Then there are other seeds that put a little hook on the end of the seed. And you or an animal walk by, and that little seed hooks onto your pants, and it gets a free ride, or it hooks into your socks. 
And so you get the feeling an irritation in your ankle and you reach down and you pull that seed out and throw it down. Oh, you've helped it propagate itself. <laughs> there are other seeds that develop a quick drying glue. The minute it touches you, it glues itself to you. But then pretty soon as the glue dries completely, it falls off and it has propagated itself. Other seeds surround themselves with a luscious tasting juice and all and, and a little bit of meaty stuff. And so you eat the, or the bear eats the berries and then uh, later on he propagates the seeds in other areas. <laughs> the way that seeds are designed to propagate themselves are fascinating indeed. There are some seeds that build a little parachute. They sprout out a little parachute on top of the seed and they just wait for the wind to come along and the wind comes and lifts the seed and you see it floating through the air. It's heading somewhere to propagate itself wherever the wind will let it drop and then it'll burrow in and begin to grow. The coconut seed is a fascinating seed. It's conquered the South Pacific. It put a waterproof husk around itself. And thus, when the hurricane would blow, the coconut would fall off and fall into the water, and it would be carried, because of the waterproof husk, it would be carried across the uh, ocean and be thrown up on a beach somewhere. And the surf would sort of cover it with sand. And it had enough water inside to support the roots until they could get deep enough to get their own water source. And of course, the little coconut tree would come up and then it would begin to propagate across the South Pacific Islands. Fruit-bearing seeds, vegetable-bearing seeds, grass-bearing seeds after their kind. Oh, what a testimony of the inventive genius of God in creation. As the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth showeth forth his handiwork and day unto day they utter their speech. Night unto night their voice goeth forth. There is not a speech nor a language. And, and if you just look around, God will speak to you through the grass, through the vegetables, through the flowers, through the trees, through his creation. As you look at the wisdom, as you study it, as, as God has designed the leaves to take uh, and turn the sun rays into energy and, and all, and the photosynthesis processes by which uh, the, the sun is turned into energy to feed the tree and all. Marvelous are his ways. Marvelous is his creative genius as you really look at the various life forms. And the earth brought forth grass, and vegetable or herb-yielding seed after his kind, and tree-yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament in the heaven. Now, the word lights here is meor. The word light in Hebrew is or. The word meor is a light holder. So let there be the light holders in the heavens to divide the day from the night 
And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And so our time is calculated by the sun and the moon. And it is generally thought that the earth's rotation around the sun was a 360-day year. That is what the Babylonian calendar was predicated upon. And there is a lot of evidence to show that also the Mayan, Incan, Chinese calendars were all predicated on a 360-day year. Somehow the earth's orbit was changed around the sun, and now it is 365 years, 9 hours, 56 minutes, 9 and 4 one-hundredths of a second. What caused the change? We don't know for sure. Emmanuel Velikovsky, again, in his book, Worlds in Collision, as you get in the book, will find out that his theory that it was the introduction of the planet Venus into our solar system that caused the change of the Earth's orbit around the sun. I don't know. It's very possible. He presents very interesting arguments. But yet our year is measured by the time it takes our Earth to make its rotation around the sun. And the months were originally lunar months, the time it takes the moon to go through its full cycle as it orbits around the earth. Um, so that they are for signs, for time, for seasons, and so forth. And so this uh, becomes very interesting. Now, if this is a process of recreation, then it would mean that on the fourth day, actually God did not create the sun and the moon on the fourth day, but he had now allowed them to be in their present current position in their relationship to the earth, and he removed the shroud of fog and all from the earth so that you can finally see the sun and the moon. Now, we have evening and mornings where we don't see the sun. Cloudy days, cloudy all day long. I still know it's daytime because there's light, but yet I don't see the sun. I know it's night because it's dark, but I don't see the moon because there is a cloud cover that prohibits me seeing the moon or prohibits my seeing the sun. Now this fog cloud cover could have been removed on the fourth day so that the light holder becomes visible. It is difficult to explain how they could have an evening and morning without the rotation of the earth on its axis if the sun wasn't in position from verse 1 and it wasn't created until the fourth day. How could you have had evening and morning in the first three days? So that seems to lend credence to the gap theory that the heavens and the earth were created in verse 1. This is an account of recreation. Now the fog shroud removed and the sun and the moon becoming visible and are now used to mark off years and days and months, used as time indicators. And the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light holder to rule the night. Now, the moon, we know, has no light of itself. It isn't in conflict with the scripture. It just calls a light holder. Uh, a mirror can be, in a sense, a light holder, such as is the moon. 
it would fit with the Hebrew word meor. It doesn't necessarily mean a source of light. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the heaven, the firmament, in the limitless space of heaven, the rockwee of heaven, to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created the great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now as we get into the creation of the animal type of life in the fifth day, First of all, the life forms in the water. <laughs> Let the waters bring forth abundantly, and my, the teeming life forms in the water. And again, the design and the variety. I love to s go uh, snorkeling over in Hawaii. The tremendous variety of life forms that I can see. Now, there are a lot of life forms I can't even see. The waters are teeming with life forms. But I often wonder why God made such weird-looking fish and such variety. And, and then the fabulous colors. It just, it, it's just, to me, exciting that God is not limited to just one design. It, 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 you'd look around tonight and you see that God isn't limited to one design. <laughs> Yet we all possess the basic same, you know, basic same features. We all have a nose. We all have eyes. We all have eyebrows. We all have, well, we, most of us have, you know, some hair at least. And, uh, <laughs> you know, teeth and mouth, chins, cheeks and so forth. And yet, look at the variety You've got same, basically the same features, and yet we don't look alike at all. It just testifies to God's neat, inventive genius in being able to take same basic features and just create an infinite number of varieties. God evidently likes variety. He makes every snowflake different. Every one of them is a perfect geometrical pattern but no two snowflakes alike. Of the trillions of snowflakes that fall every year, God just likes variety so much, He doesn't make any two of them alike. And yet they are so exquisitely beautiful when you look at them under a microscope. The geometric patterns and designs. And so of all of the millions of people, there may be some who look somewhat alike, 
And yet, you know, when you get to know twins, you'll be able to tell them apart at sight because there's just enough difference between everybody. Though the twins may have come from the same cell, divided, and, and thus they have the same chromosome uh, content and gene content as each other, yet the, the variations that, that develop. I, I just am amazed at creation. I, I, I just love to see the different life forms. I love to see these crazy little tiny bugs, and I don't even know what they are or where they're going, and I wonder if they know where they're going. <laughs> but they know how to fly. Now, they fly in erratic patterns. And sometimes they can be pesky. But they'll land sometimes, I read my Bible, and they'll land on my Bible, and I'll just look and study them. And I'll think, you marvelous little creature, you. You can fly. You got something over me. So designed, so constructed, that you can fly off of that page. And, and just the wide variety. A fly, you hate them, but yet... What fabulous design, swept back wing design. <laughs> and their ability to just hover and then almost to fly backwards. I mean, you know, when you see them, just they can dart in several directions and then they can land on the ceiling and walk. And I've often wondered, how close does he get to the ceiling before he flips over so he can land on his feet? <laughs> That's going to worry you, isn't it? <laughs> but oh, how marvelous is our God. How infinite his wisdom how great his creative genius in all of the life forms that we see. Now we have the basic life forms, the plant life forms on the third day. Here on the fifth day, now we have the more complex life forms. The plant forms, of course, are necessarily rooted. The roots themselves are marvelous. They are able to go down and to... The, each little root is a chemical laboratory. And it is able to take out of the soil just the necessary chemicals to support that particular plant. Able to tell the difference between the chemicals, knows just the chemicals that it needs out of the soil to feed the particular plant that it's coming from. To bring the moisture up out of the soil and all. Marvelous. Absolutely marvelous. But we get the more complex life forms that sort of are a little independent. They're not rooted. They're not grounded. They are mobile. And, and the, the various cycles that God has created, the, the whole process is just so marvelous indeed. The water teeming with life. And then the air. And the many, many kinds of of birds and the variety of birds that God has created and, and those instinctive abilities in the birds. I'm always fascinated by that little bird in Hawaii 
that goes up into the Aleutian chain in order to mate. During the summer, they take off from Hawaii and they fly all the way up into Alaska where they mate. They build their nest, they lay the eggs, they hatch their young. And then with the coming of winter, they don't want to spend winter in Alaska, and who can blame them? <laughs> and I, you have to almost envy them, them spending their winters in Hawaii. They take off over the thousands of miles without suitcases, <laughs> without spare gas tanks, without compasses or navigational equipment. And they come flying right into Hawaii. Sometimes they get into severe storms, 100, 200 mile an hour winds that blow them off course, but somehow they find their way right in. You say, oh, they remember the way they flew out. <laughs> How do they reckon? Some think that there's some kind of a device that tunes in on the magnetic field of the earth. I don't know. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 1 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in His love and draw you nearer unto himself as he works in your heart by his Spirit. And may this week your eyes be kept upon Jesus, that God might by his Spirit bring to pass those changes in our lives whereby he will conform us into his image for his sake. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It's with great honor that the Word for Today would like to present Pastor Chuck Smith's book entitled Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege. With great clarity, Pastor Chuck masterfully taught the principles of praying to God our Father and emphasized the power that belongs to each one of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit to guide and nurture our prayer lives. I want to encourage you 
to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, and study it to put these biblical principles into practice. Read this book and come to the most amazing realization that prayer is the most potent weapon in your spiritual arsenal, and use it with great promise and hope. For when you begin a life of prayer, you begin a great adventure. To order a copy of this book in print or to download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.